This episode of Fearless Rebel Radio is brought to you by You On Fire. You On Fire is the amazing 12-week online group coaching program that I run where we build up your worth from the ground up so that it's no longer hinging on the way that you look. It's got personalized coaching from me and incredible community support plus lifetime access. Get details on what's included in this program and sign up to be notified when doors open for the next cycle by going to summerinandin.com forward slash you on fire. I would love to have you in that program and in that group. This is Fearless Rebel Radio, a podcast about body positivity, self-worth, anti-dieting, and feminism. I am your host, Summer Inanin, a professionally trained coach specializing in body image, self-worth, and confidence, and the best-selling author of Body Image Remix. If you're ready to break free of societal standards and stop living behind the number on your scale, then you have come to the right place. Welcome to the show. This is part two of episode 174, and I am solo coming back to my story, which was something I've never done on this podcast before. So if you haven't listened to part one, go and listen to part one of episode 174. And in this second half, I'm going to be sharing the part of my story where I have what's called my uh, diet culture awakening and lessons I learned from recovering from those decades of chronic dieting and body hate. You can find all the links and resources mentioned in this episode at summerinandin.com forward slash 174. First, I want to give a shout out to Sergeant Camo, who left this awesome review. I'm a brand new listener to this podcast and in the beginning stages of rejecting diet culture. Finding this podcast has really struck a chord inside. Summer's choice of words and phrases are those that make you feel as though she is one of my oldest friends and talking to me in a way that I don't feel lectured. Love this so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. And oh, and the title of this one was, it's like hearing my best friend speak. Oh, that's so kind. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I love hearing that. I really, I mean, this is just how I speak to people. So hopefully that's just the way that I present myself. But I, I'm so grateful that, um, that that resonates with you and that you feel that way. Cause that's, that's how I really want this to be. Like I'm just speaking to the one person who's listening. And I'd love for you to leave a review if you haven't already done so. It helps others to find the show. You can go to iTunes, search ratings and reviews, and then click to leave a review. It helps to put this up in the ratings uh, and uh, take down all the other shows that are promoting diet culture. Yay. In other words, you're contributing to the revolution by leaving a review and also by subscribing to the show, which you can do by hitting the subscribe button on whatever whatever uh, app you use to listen to podcasts, whether it be the Apple podcast app, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube. I'm on all the episodes are on YouTube too. You can subscribe there. All those things help. And lastly, you can get the free 10 day body confidence makeover at summerinandin.com forward slash freebies with 10 steps to take right now to feel better in your body. Last episode, we left off uh, where things had sort of come to a head in terms of the damage I was doing with my body and the impact that that had and uh, just the things I learned and, and throughout my childhood, the things that had influenced my relationship with food and my body. So if you haven't listened to that, definitely listen to that part first, because it's going to uh, provide a lot of context to this next part of the story, which is uh, 
um, really revolving around my diet culture awakening, we'll call it, and specific steps that I took to heal and things that I do with clients and why I'm so passionate about this work. So let's get started with the second part of this episode. And so the last kind of phase of this, actually, no, I think there's a couple more phases, but the second last phase is, is when I decided to study nutrition. So I was so obsessed and interested in food. I wanted to go back to school to study nutrition. And while I was in school and, and working full time, that's when the wheels started to fall off. I couldn't keep up on my ridiculous tracking and workout schedule anymore. But I was still on that same like restrict binge cycle, you know, restrict as best I could during the week, binge on the weekends. And it was around this time that I went off the birth control pill. And then for two years, I didn't get a period. And I assumed that was because of the pill, but later found out it was most likely due to all the overexercising and stress that was put on my body from chronic dieting. And, you know, this is when I just started to not feel like myself and I was gaining more and more weight, trying to follow the same routine that I've been following for years. And I really thought something was broken inside of me. And I started to go down the rabbit hole of trying to figure out what was broken inside of me. And I spent like hours listening to podcasts and reading nutrition blogs and articles. And I honestly thought that if I could just find what was broken inside of me and find the one missing nutrient that would solve all my problems, everything would be okay. And I saw a couple doctors who instead of saying, hey, you've actually got a problem, they would say, you just need to move more and eat less if you want to lose weight. And this is because my weight was never, quote unquote, underweight, according to the BMI. And it was always either the higher end of normal or in like the overweight range, quote unquote. And so doctors never looked at me and thought, I had a problem. They would actually, like when I would tell them I'm gaining weight and I don't know why, they would say, well, you just need to eat more, eat less and move more, which like I'm rolling my eyes into the back of my head because I'm like, oh my gosh, like they didn't see the problem right in front of them. I remember a doctor saying, you're too big to have uh, amenorrhea. That was quote unquote what a doctor said to me. And like at this point I was like miserable. I thought it was broken. I was obsessed with food. And, and I just like, I was like, what is wrong with me? Why can't I figure this out? And, and along the way, I, I finally saw a naturopathic doctor and she ran a ton of hormone tests on me. And she was the one who finally, I had to fill out, fill out like a food log for her. And she looked at me when she had the results and she said, I'm surprised you're alive. She's like, I really don't know how you're operating right now. My hormones were the same as a postmenopausal woman. And I was at the age of 30, I was completely burned out from the chronic dieting and over-exercising and the stress and it had wrecked my hormones. And she looked at what I was eating and she was like, okay, we need to make some changes here. Like you need to eat more, you need to eat more carbohydrates, you need to stop exercising. And her first recommendation for me was to stop doing any intense exercise. And I just remember crying because she told me that I couldn't exercise instead of crying about my hormones being in such bad shape. And that's when I started to really know I had a major problem because I was like, I'm more upset about the fact that I can't exercise than I am about the fact that she was surprised I was alive. And I'll just sort of stop here before I go into the next part. But what I what you know, what I want you to take away from this or what I learned from this is that a lot of us are looking for this one thing that will fix our weight. And if only we can find it, then everything will be okay. And that is wellness culture. And again, this belief that we're all capable of losing weight if we just find the right solution, or we're all capable of being in perfect health if we just find the right solution. 
And here's the thing. The solution is the problem, which is a quote from Krista Scott Dixon, who was on one of the very first episodes he did of this podcast. We have to stop participating in the culture in order to break free. The other thing that I want you to take away from this is that low carb diets are the worst. (laughs) Okay. From my own experience, like nothing has messed me up more from all of my clients. Nothing has messed them up more. And I am so glad keto wasn't a thing when I was doing this because I would have totally gone down that road and I don't even know what it would have done to me. But that is one of the worst ones that I see in terms of the metabolic damage that happens in terms of how it fucks with your relationship with food and your metabolism and like the way that you feel about your body and food and everything else. I'm not going to go into any of the science around that. I think there's probably better resources out there. I think Louise Adams has done like podcasts on the keto diet. Anyways, if you if you want to like see someone kind of go into the research and stuff, but I'm just talking about my experience with it and the experiences that I've had with clients who have done it. It's low carb diets are the worst. So if you're even tempted or kind of trying, just stop, please. I'm telling you, (laughs) you will regret it if you don't. And again, like you can hear just the time and energy and money, like so much of that went into this quest for me. <laughs> and to reclaim that after is just like, it's, it's a lot of mental space that you get back. And if you're listening to this and you feel like something isn't right physically with you, find a doctor who can help you and run the other way if they suggest weight loss. So that's just what I, those are the big takeaways I wanted you to take away here. And also just that I think a lot of people go into nutrition or dietetic school because they're so obsessed with food or they have this disordered relationship with food. And I hope that what we'll start to see is that more people start going down that road because they've discovered intuitive eating or they've discovered health at every size and they want to be a practitioner in that, in that way. But I can tell you when I was in school, you know, there's a lot of like normalized disorders, disordered behaviors happening amongst the people attending. And uh, it's kind of like you found your people. Again, it's you found this community of people who are all like obsessed with food. And it's all a bit strange, but uh, it's not a bash against like the schooling or the education or anything like that. But I think um, a lot of people go into it with that disordered mentality. And so the last piece of this story is really like what I'll call my diet culture awakening. You know, after I met with that naturopath, I just, I tried to rest. I didn't do anything strenuous. I ate more very slowly. And I started to dig deep into why I felt the way I did. I read a lot of Brene Brown and I learned about self-compassion, but I was technically still dieting as I wasn't giving myself full permission with food. I was just eating more and not doing strenuous activity. And at first I went down the road of reading Janine Roth and people who weren't totally anti-diet and still promoted weight loss because that was just my comfort zone. I was like, oh, I'll just deal with the mental side of it and then I'll lose weight. Like I, I went from kind of actively physically restricting and stuff to thinking, well, if I just like change the way I think about food and the way I feel about my body, then I'll be able to lose weight. So that, that like whole like weight loss theme was still there, which, so I think it's pretty common you might even be laughing and thinking that was me or that is me. And that's totally fine. That's often one step in the process because it's a little bit safer than going all the way towards rejecting diets. But somewhere along the way, I remember searching body image through podcasts. And at the time there was only really one and it was hosted by and Sophie Reinhardt, who's still around with her podcast, Escape Diet Prison. It wasn't called that. It was the time she was co-hosting it with somebody else. And I remember listening to them and they, they were talking about their eating disorder recovery. And they kept talking about this book called When Women Stop Hating Their Bodies. And I got it. And I just, that was when so many light bulbs went off for me. 
And this book is quite old. I don't remember if it's 100% free of fat phobia. I I think it is. It certainly helped me a lot at the time, but I'm just putting that caution out there because I haven't read it in a long time. But for me, a lot of light bulbs went off when I first read it. And that eventually led me to find intuitive eating. And again, so many light bulbs went off. And that was a long process. That was not a quick process as those beliefs were so hard coded in me. It was a slow awakening and opening of my eyes. I didn't suddenly say, fuck this, I'm done with dieting and I'm going to smash my scale and eat whatever I want. Some people do that. And that's awesome. I think that's fantastic. Like go give her, get, get through it. I slowly dipped my foot into it and gave myself more permission to eat. This was a time when like there weren't all these Instagram accounts. Like there weren't a lot of people talking about it. There weren't podcasts about it. So it was all really new and felt very like, what the hell is this? Like, is this right? But something in it just felt right to me. And as I began to work on the root of the issue, which was the way I felt about myself, I realized that the way I felt my body about my body was really just this lack of self-worth and not feeling good enough. And I did a lot of personal development. I read a ton. As I said, I worked with coaches, I worked with therapists along the way who connected a lot of dots for me, helped me to change my beliefs, helped me to cultivate compassion, helped me to really discover who I was outside of dieting and my appearance. Because my dieting had been my identity for so long. So I didn't really know who I was without being the annoying girl who talked about how gluten was the devil. And before this awakening, as I mentioned, I had, I was a nutritionist. I had started a business as a nutritionist and I was focused around and weight loss at the time. Cause that's what I thought we were all supposed to do, but I kept seeing the same pattern show up in my clients that it showed up in me. So that same cycle of like restrict, binge, blame, repeat, hate your body, start over. And as I was waking up to how fucked up this was, I started to change how I worked with clients and I slowly stopped focusing on their weight and focused more on helping them have a good relationship with food. And I realized that body image was at the root of everyone's dissatisfaction. You know, this was the reason they dieted much like me. They thought they were broken and needed to be fixed. So I realized that every client that I was working with had struggled with their body image and kept thinking that food and exercise and weight loss was the solution. And that's when I realized that, okay, if we can actually help people with the way that they feel about their body and like address the body dissatisfaction piece of the puzzle, which is inherently connected to self-worth, then they would be able to get off that cycle and they would be able to experience the peace and freedom they wanted. It would break that cycle. And so I had worked with a couple of different life coaches in my journey and something about the way they worked really resonated and connected with me, like more so than, than therapists. And that was just my own personal experience there. I also have a therapist now. I just see them being like two different jobs, two different roles, but I just loved the whole coaching thing. Like I was like, oh, this is something that really resonates with me and I want to do it. So then I took a couple of different courses to change course in my professional life and become a life coach and use everything I learned in life coaching to really help people to accept their body and live their lives. And the initial struggle I had in creating the business was that people were so connected to weight loss and used to being sold weight loss as the solution. So it was like a 180 to really (laughs) remove that outcome and to say, this is not about the size of your body. This is about the way you feel about your body. And what if you can feel accepting and confident in the body that you have? Or as my tagline is, what if your perfect body is the one you're in today? You know, what if you can live your life and be free of these negative thoughts and be able to really know who you are in your core and know that you're valuable and worthy? 
what if we work on that? Like, can we work on that? And it has worked. Um, I'm still here seven years later, or however long I've been focusing specifically on body image. But, you know, being authentic and having integrity was always more important to me. And I knew there were enough people out there who were done with dieting that would want to take this leap. And so now when I'm working with people, I'm really focusing on self worth because that's the root of our negative feelings about our body and us believing that our value is in our appearance. And I believe we're good enough as is. And I believe that if we can all believe that we're good enough as is, then our, our body size and our appearance won't matter so much anymore. And so, you know, the things I really learned there is it's okay to ease your way into this stuff. Everyone has a different process and way of doing it. Some people from out kind of like really just diving in and you know, just eating whatever you want, give yourself full permission. And that's great. Like I, I do that sometimes with clients too. And some people take like slowly dip their toe in and that's fine too. The biggest thing that was holding me back from really diving in was fear of weight gain. And that's why body image work is so important to really become an intuitive eater. You have to, you know, heal your relationship with your body and just accept that your body's going to do what it's going to do. You can't just turn off that desire to lose weight. It's a really slow process. So you can be working on accepting your body and still have that desire to lose weight. Those things will exist concurrently for a long time. And the majority of people hope they'll lose weight by doing intuitive eating and working on body acceptance at the beginning. That's totally normal. <laughs> and that's okay too. Again, we can't get rid of that desire or that hope until we've actually worked on accepting your body. And I don't want to make it look like it happened really quick. The healing process was long. I think I ate past a comfortable level of fullness for two or more years before my brain finally got the memo that the famine was over. So it can take a really long time to rewire these thoughts and behaviors. One of the things that I did, one of the mistakes I made along the way was turning intuitive eating into a hunger and fullness diet. I still struggle with not feeling good enough, but it's rarely about my body anymore. And I'm able to be more resilient when these things show up. The discovery part of this process is also really important. So I needed a life outside of dieting and fixating on my body. I didn't have that. I needed to really discover who I was beyond that, what my values are, what my value is, like what qualities I bring to this world, what my purpose is. And that's a huge part of the work I do with people because we need to know who we are in order to then know that we're valuable and worthy. And the changes happen really slowly over time. You don't just wake up one day and think like, Oh, I'm good in my body now. Yeah, no, I'm good. It's like you, you hardly even notice it. One day you just sort of realize you didn't hate your body today. And then maybe you have a bad day. And then maybe like you have a couple more days where you're like, Oh, I didn't really think about my body today. And then they just keep growing and growing until you're like, Oh, wait a minute. Like I haven't really felt guilty about food in a while. Or like I haven't mirror checked in a while or I haven't like been really critical of myself and, uh, it's pretty amazing how it happens, but it takes intention and practice. It doesn't just like happen with like a hope and a dream. It happens with, I'm actually going to work on this stuff. I'm really going to work on changing my beliefs. I'm going to work on knowing my value outside of my appearance. Like I'm going to work on self-compassion. It is takes intention and practice. And for me, like investing in, in my recovery and exploring the reasons I felt the way I did was massively helpful. The biggest aha moments I had were when I was working with other coaches who helped me. And a lot of it was when I did my coaches training too. like just the, the training is really intensive because you do it all on yourself too. And, um, there's a lot of stuff that was uncovered in that that was immensely helpful for me, um, which is just why I'm so passionate about coaching in general, because I just know the power of it. 
The last thing I want to speak to here is some important steps that I took along the way that really, really helped me. I've mentioned a couple books and just, you know, reading Brene Brown and working with coaches and stuff. But I just want to specifically talk about some of the tools or actions that were game changing, so to speak, in this process for me and and things that probably are going to be no surprise for you if you've been listening to me for any time, or if you've done the 10 day body confidence makeover, because they are covered in there as well. But getting rid of the scale was huge for me. And it took me a long time to get rid of it. I didn't get rid of it right away at all. I sort of kept it around and thought to myself, okay, I'm not really going to use this or I'm going to use it less often. And then I'd step on it from time to time. And I was still just, uh, you know, hooked on that number. And it, you know, if it was the number was up, then I would just feel shame and panic about my body. And if the number was down, I'd be like, this is amazing. And what can I do to keep this? What have I been doing? And and so it just it really kept the focus on my body. And it kept the focus on my value being in the size of my body. And I remember one day just stepping on the scale and having that flood of of shame and panic and thinking to myself, I'm in an abusive relationship with this scale. Like I would never let any other human being treat me the way that this scale does. It was, you know, belittling me. It was creating shame in me and I was a prisoner of its power. And I just remember thinking about it that way. And I actually wrote a blog post about it at the time, which is probably still somewhere in existence in the, on the internet about how, you know, you one can have an abusive relationship with their scale. And that was really the breaking point where I thought, you know what, I'm going to get rid of this. And I think, I can't remember if I, I, I'm pretty sure I got rid of it and then, or, or put it away. And then that was when I did the very first photo shoot I ever did, smashing it with a sledgehammer. Not the pictures that you've maybe seen more recently of me doing that, but um, one of my initial uh, photo shoots that I did when I first started, you know, working uh, as I, I think I was still a nutritionist at the time, actually, but that was that's when I was slowly starting to kind of move away from doing that. But that was that was huge for me. And I really do insist on that when I work with people getting rid of it. And I think it's really cathartic to do something where you, you know, smash it or throw it in the trash or drive over it with your car, because it's, it's just releases some of that energy and it releases, you know, this, this, notion that it has power of you over you. It's really a reclamation of power when you get rid of it. The next thing was getting rid of the clothes that didn't fit me anymore. And I had so many nice clothes from my corporate days when um, I had a lot of disposable income at that time to spend on really nice clothes. And I cared more about what people thought of me and labels and things like that. Um, I don't care so much about those things anymore. But at the time, I had really nice clothes and they didn't fit me anymore. And that was really hard. And I remember just having a lot of tears and it was kind of this mourning process to get rid of, get rid of those clothes. But once they were gone and the clothes that I had available to me were ones that fit my body and I felt comfortable in, again, it was like a reclamation of power because before those smaller clothes had power over me. And every time I went into my closet, it was like the voice of my inner critic or the voice of diet culture 
whatever you want to call it, telling me that, you know, I needed to watch what I ate, or I should I should exercise more and all that stuff. It was just, you know, perpetuating that disordered relationship with food and my body. And so that was really, really transformational for me as well. And I know that's a really hard step, because it can bring up a lot of emotions. And so I suggest maybe putting them away first, out of sight, out of mind, and then slowly getting rid of them if they don't fit. But you'll see that when you have stuff that fits you comfortably, it's so much easier to feel better in your body, like physical comfort really, really, really influences the way we emotionally feel in our bodies. The next thing was social media. Actually, maybe these might be kind of out of order, but the the next thing was social media and uh, and just changing all of that because all I followed was nutrition pages and pages that were promoting weight loss um, and even from the perspective of like wellness, quote unquote, things that were making me feel like I had to kind of like biohack my metabolism in order to figure out what was wrong with me and realizing that like I didn't have anyone in a large body on my social media feed and that and how damaging that is or no one that even looked like me for that matter I mean everyone was just in you know the a very thin body and that can do a lot of damage to the way that we feel about ourselves when we're only exposing ourselves to those images which is what the media presents to us as the normal image quote unquote so to change that um you know to unfollow delete all of the accounts that made me feel bad about myself or made me fixate on food or my body and then really discover this world of, uh, of body positivity and, you know, plus size models at the time. Um, that was a lot of the accounts that I followed at the time really, really helped for me to see and dismantle these beliefs that I had about, you know, thinness being better and confident and all these other things I had associated with it. It helped me to really see like, okay, you can be in a larger body and, you know, look super cute and, um, you know, have, awesome relationships and live your life and and be athletic and all these other things. And that was really, really transformational as well. The other thing was working on changing my beliefs about what it means to be in a larger body versus a thin body, and really like what those things mean to me. So, you know, what, why was that so, why was weight loss so important to me? And uh, getting to, to the root of that so I could really work through those fears and break free of those beliefs that were really limiting and causing me to continue to go back to wanting to lose weight and feel better about myself. And then learning self-compassion. And, you know, the first book I ever read on that was Dr. Kristen Neff's book. Uh, She has been on the podcast before. I will link to that one in the show notes. Uh, But her book, Self-Compassion, is kind of like the book on self-compassion. And I think there might be some stuff in there that is fat phobic. I can't like, I really can't remember. It's one of the again, it's one of those books I read so many years ago. Um, So I just give you a heads up there. I think that a lot of times people evolve in their work. And so I think that there's still a ton of amazing stuff in that book, even if there is, you know, a couple mentions of weight loss. But Anyways, take what you will from it. Uh, I certainly got a lot from that, but it's you know that's a foundational thing of that I t- teach to people is is self compassion, and really cultivating that voice of self compassion within ourselves. 
in order to build up this sense of enoughness and this belief that we are good enough as is. It's huge. It's huge. And then the other thing that was really big for me was recognizing that body shame was a go-to way for me to manage complex anxieties and stresses in my life. Whenever I was experiencing things like overwhelm or vulnerability or anxiety, I would immediately, you know, get urges to diet, start fixating on my body more because fixating on my body was easier than feeling and dealing with these larger feelings at play. And so being able to separate those two things and then learning how to feel and express feelings and tune into those and tend to those was huge for me because I was able to then see, okay, this is not about my body. This is really about these feelings that I'm feeling. And it's society that's made me feel that my body is the problem. And it's diet culture that's made us use dieting and weight fixation as a coping mechanism. And so those were some of the, you know, really big steps along the way. I've, I've kind of mentioned other ones just in terms of, you know, finding my value outside of my body and my purpose and everything else. But those are some steps that I found to be really important. And, you know, today I, I, I really, I don't think much about my body anymore. I, I mean, I don't look in the mirror and think I'm so hot. I never think that it's just kind of there and I'll look at it and maybe I like it. Maybe I don't. And usually it's just kind of neutral and I'm on with my day and I'm like, my weight fluctuates and I'm like, okay, well it is what it is. You know, my body's going to do what it's going to do. I can trust it and just do my best to treat it with compassion and respect and treat myself with compassion and respect. But I know that I'm good enough regardless of, of that body size and regardless of what other people are, are thinking about me. Uh, where I still struggle a lot with self-doubt is, you know, in, in my, in my work, not, not with when I'm working with clients, but, um, you know, just like getting your message out there and the, like the performance of the business and things like that. I mean, that's really hard. It's hard to completely detach your worth from everything. And I think that's one area that is always going to be a bit of a work in progress for me because, I'll always be a bit of a recovering perfectionist in that way. I don't think I'll ever completely be a non-perfectionist. <laughs> I think it's just like in my DNA and and that's okay, but it's more about having the tools to be able to work through those moments, to build resiliency, to be able to um, still get out there and, and do the work I want to do without letting uh, fear of rejection or failure, or other people's opinions get in the way of that. And, uh, you know, in terms of food and movement, like it's just, I have like a really great relationship with both of those. Now food is just totally neutral. I eat what I eat. I eat what I want. I move on with my life. I move my body because it feels good. I rest it because I fe it feels good. There's no shoulds or guilt around either of those things anymore. And that is just a huge sense of calm and peace and freedom. And it's given me this fulfilling life outside of food and my body. And I think that one of the biggest things, one of the biggest gifts in all of this was just being able to have a child after all those years of messed up hormones. I honestly didn't think it was going to be possible. Um, the years of kind of abuse on my body combined with just deciding I wanted kids way later in life, I really didn't think it was going to be possible. And so I, I do believe that the healing process I went through and eating like a grown ass woman helped so much with my fertility. 
and being able to get pregnant. And I know that fertility is really complex. And even if you're eating like a grown ass adult, there are still some uh, factors that can get in the way of that. So I'm not saying that that's like the one solution there at all. But I do know that that was immense. I don't think I wouldn't have been able to, I mean, I didn't have a period, I wouldn't have been able to get pregnant before. So I am so, so grateful for, for that and what my body was able to do and that I'm able to focus on being a parent without worrying about how my body looks or, you know, what, what he's eating or what I'm eating or having to like get my body back, quote unquote. Like it's just, it's, that's amazing. And that's such a gift. And to have this additional sense of purpose outside of, well, I mean, I haven't had dieting and weight hasn't been my purpose for a while, but to have this additional purpose now is just, it's, it's amazing. So that's none of that is to say I don't have bad days. I totally have major ups and downs, especially in the days before I get my period. I'm a bit of a disaster, but I know that that's why. <laughs> and, and I also know it's totally normal to have ups and downs. And so I'm going to end this episode here. I hope that you found it insightful and helpful. I recorded a lot of this a couple of days ago and then ran out of time to finish it. So it came back to loop back around and, and close this episode out. And in those past two days, I started to like overthink everything I had put in this episode and ruminate on it because that's what I do. And uh, I started to think, oh my God, like, are people going to think that, like, what am I saying about my mother? What am I saying about my brother? And so just to make myself feel better, I really have the best relationship with my mom. She's amazing. She was amazing. She was an amazing, amazing mother. She was just wrapped up in diet culture. And so I, I do want to really stress that because when I focus on telling my story and I focus on those pieces of it, it's like only focusing on that one sliver of my mom's influence on me. And there was so much that she gave me in terms of being strong, being resilient, not taking shit from people, you know, going after the things I want, working hard. Like there's so much that she gave me and that I learned from her. This was one sliver of it. It happened to really, you know, form my life in a different way, but it's given me, I can see it as a gift now because it's given me this work and um, something that I just feel so passionate about and changing for the next generation. And same thing with my brother. You know, we have a great relationship now. He's a totally different person. And I think that everyone is allowed to change and, and become better versions of themselves and that we can forgive for you know, past things, if, if that person, you know, changes and is a better person. And um, again, I'm much stronger as a result of that. So I just needed to say that for my own comfort, because I've been ruminating on this for a while. <laughs> for like 48 hours. So that that was this episode here. I mentioned a couple links. I'll I'll share those in the show notes. You can find the show notes for this episode at summerinandin.com forward slash 174. Thank you so much for listening. I, I hope that pieces of this have resonated with you and helped you to just, you know, give you hope and give you some, some lessons to help you on your journey. Thank you so much. Rock on. I'm Summer Inanin, and I want to thank you for listening today. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Summer Inanin. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this show. I would be so grateful. Until next time, rock on. Rock on.